Good evening and welcome to a very special Rabbit Ramblings Halloween podcast blog. There will be monsters and other stories. Enjoy the blah! I mean, show! Ah, 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 ah. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise. And suddenly, to my surprise, he did the match. He did the monster match. The monster it was a graveyard smash. He did the match. It caught on in a flash. He did the match. He did the monster match. From my laboratory in the castle east. With Halloween coming up, it's made me think back to my own Halloweens as a child, and how they've changed now to be something different than what they once were. Back in the day, you used to go trick-or-treating. I suppose they still do in uh, some areas that are more rural um, but in the, the city areas people have turned to just like school parties and like you know parties with friends I, I don't know for for at least 10 years or more pretty much trick-or-treating is almost completely non-existent these days outside of a few neighborhoods most of the more densely populated areas just simply don't do it anymore and that made me think about just a general concept that seems to really be changing is that kids don't really have a safe place to play anymore. When I was little, you could go outside or you could go to a park and and you would be safe. People wouldn't even really give it a second thought. I mean, there were child abductions back, you know, you know, when the cowboys roamed the earth and dinosaurs used to take children away when I was young. Back in the day, there wasn't quite as much fuss about the possibility that a child abduction could happen. You know, parents were still worried about it and stuff, but they weren't like now where it was like panic, where if you, you know, lose sight of your child for more than 10 seconds, you go, oh my god, oh my god, something's happened. You know, people didn't worry about that. Back in the day, their kids would disappear, and it's like, oh, they're just outside playing, or oh, they're, you know, out next door at the neighbor's place playing in the front yard. They didn't, they didn't worry about, you know, child abductions, and if the child is out of sight, then they're, you know, going to be gone forever. Now there seems to be a little bit too much of a panic about children, you know, being abducted or bad things happening, and it prevents them, I think, in a lot of ways from, from feeling free to go out and, you know, explore the world and, and play on those playgrounds. Plus, with urban density increasing, there just simply aren't as many parks or places to play Mostly they're, they're apartments and duplexes, and they really don't have a whole lot of parks and just general play areas for children to be safe. Being online and gaming is one of the few safe places that kind of exists in the world, even though it's not really in our world, you know, it's in the gaming world. I have kind of concerns about that because it seems like they're, they're an open playground, but there aren't all that many hall monitors, as it were. There are, you know, GMs and support staff and stuff, but I don't know that most games give them quite as much of a presence as they should. There seems to be a lot of uh, cyberbullying, as it were. People, you know, forcing other people to do things they don't want. And I think there's probably a lot of stuff on the forums that really shouldn't be there. The term people usually use is cyberbullying. 
and I think games should take a bigger role in protecting their online community. It seems like a lot of times this is a virtual playground that is left unattended. Much like a schoolyard playground, you want people keeping an eye on the kids and making sure nothing bad happens. But I think a lot of times in games, people and forums are left on their own, as it were, to sort of fend for themselves. And I think a lot of cyberbullying takes place because of that. I think the community as a whole just sort of says, you know, toughen up and take it, you know, and you know, handle it instead of, you know, reporting stuff that should be reported. A lot of stuff that is abuse or, you know, abusive towards a particular person or group gets sort of slidden by and people just sort of accept it as part of the online world. And what gets me is that a lot of these, you know, cyber bullies as they were, tend to reference you know, certain games, and they're like, oh, a bunch of kiddies play that game, I hate those guys, blah, 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 and they say, you know, a bunch of bad stuff. Oftentimes, it, it seems to me, it turns out that these people who claim they don't like a certain group of people turn out to be the biggest bullies of all, and the ones who make the the biggest amount of noise and complaints, who are, you know, adults, so to speak. And um, the quote-unquote kiddies they're complaining about are often much better mannered and nicer and kinder than they are. So I think a lot of times these these cyber bullies tend to to be, you know, adult people who are doing things on purpose and purposefully attacking people, you know, even though they claim they're, you know, avoiding a certain game or don't like a certain community because, you know, X, Y, and Z, and yet, you know, those people in those categories are just fine. It's the the people who are complaining and being bullies who are not fine. I suppose this section probably really doesn't uh, say anything revolutionary. Uh, certainly bullying has been around forever and cyberbullying has been around you know, pretty much as long as the internets have existed and probably will continue to do so. I think, um, I suppose my, my point is just, you know, be aware of what you're saying and how you're saying it and who you're saying it to. And, um, you know, try and be a little bit nicer and uh, defend your fellow people who uh, need defending. So the vampire promised you a story, so I should do at least one story. This story was about when I was very, very small. Um, I don't remember, maybe like five or six-ish range, somewhere around there. I used to live in this place called Foster City, which those of you in the Bay Area will probably recognize it. Foster City is known for having a lot of these houses that were called Eichlers, which is like a particular architectural style. They're very open and... um. They're kind of known for, for I think, the first houses that had, like, really big windows. You know, you know, it's like you got the living room, and then, like, the whole roof on that one side is, like, a window. You know, not the roof part of the roof, but, you know, the part, uh, the wall part of the roof, I guess you could say. And also, these particular houses, for the most part, had what they called an atrium. I, I don't know if they still do that these days in newer designed houses, but... It's sort of like this room that is 
like at the front of the house, you have the front door, and then you'd have this like extra room. Um, it was basically the same size as the living room, and it had sort of some dirt patches where uh, many people put bushes and stuff. And then there was like like a fence around it, so it was sort of like a room outside the house that had a kind of bigger space on the the bottom, not big enough for people to go through, but big enough for small animals to go through and you know wind to go through and you would um you know plant plants in there sometimes people would grow little gardens and then it, it had a roof but usually part of the roof section was either open or it had like a skylight so a lot of people you know put like furniture in there they they could just kind of chill out there some people i think had barbecues in there though you know it wasn't the greatest choice for barbecuing because it did have kind of a low ceiling but anyways, um, that was the style of the house. Also, the houses were on, um, I think they call them a court. Um, but basically what it is is a figure eight with a stick coming out the middle, if you were to draw it. I guess you put the figure eight sideways and then the stick would go vertically. And um, that's how the roads go. So it was kind of like a double loop. I think it was about 20 houses per court. So it wasn't a ton of people. And pretty much the people in the court knew each other. So you had this sort of loop with a little section in the middle that usually had like really trashy plants that weren't the greatest plants. Sometimes they would have nice grass, but usually they used like the cheap plant stuff. And then some bigger plants. And people would sometimes have, you know, like a block party. And they would hang out there and everybody would do like a community barbecue in the middle. And people would sort of know each other on their side of the court for sure. But you also kind of knew people sort of across on the other side of the court. So when I was little, I used to go trick-or-treating on my court, and uh, that would get me, you know, the bag of candies. But the people that were, I was, I was kind of in sort of a, a diagonal corner, I guess you could say, of the figure eight. And the people on the opposite side of the diagonal corner, who were the ones we kind of knew the least, I, I, I don't remember knowing them at all, they would have a haunted house. And I don't know too many people that do this these days. Usually it's kind of just, you know, silly tombstones or stuff outside their house, and that's really it. But these people went totally all out. So that atrium area I mentioned before, they had as like a single room haunted house thing. And then they had sort of a, a walkway from their driveway to their house that was, it wasn't covered, but it had sort of, you know, planters on the side, and a, it was covered in the roof sense so it wasn't I, I guess you could say it wasn't enclosed but it was sort of you know covered from the rain and so on Halloween they would have all this spooky noise and their tree would have you know scary stuff on it and lights and fog and they would have you know people that came over and um, you know would scare kids and so I think it took me about three years to go to this house because the first year when I was really small, I was like, nope, nope, that's, like, way too scary. I didn't even go, like, I think closer than two houses over to it. Because you could see you could see the ghost people walking around and the children running away. And you could hear the noises, the wind, and the noises. And so I was like, nope, nope, way, way too scary. Not going there. And the next time, I think I managed to go up to the driveway and actually watch for a little bit. And I saw that they had somebody dressed up as a ghost who would be at the end of the, the walkway right before the atrium. 
And occasionally he would get up and be like, and like scare people and people would run away and go, ah. And I was like, nope, nope, still too scary. And then the the third year, I finally got up the courage, I think, to go up because I knew the ghost was going to come up. And so I went up to him and I I watched him to see if he would go. And he was sort of twitching at me like, "Uh, uh, uh." but he saw that I wasn't totally scared of him. And then I went into the haunted house in the the middle atrium section. And it was pretty spooky. They had, you know, the, the cauldron going and, you know, a couple of dummies, like, you know, hanging out there. And they had the spooky music. And then I rang the doorbell. And it was just surprise. And everybody inside was totally friendly. And they're like, yay, you made it. Yay, yay. And they gave you a soda, which was, you know, back then it was like a really huge deal. And it was like the biggest prize ever. So I think that's that's kind of sad that people don't do that now. Um, I'm sure, you know, occasionally here and there people still do. Once upon a time, my ex-roommates that I used to live with had friends who actually did a, a full-on haunted house. And they would actually have, you know, a full crew of, you know, like, I think they had like 20 people that came over. And they had, you know, different scenes and they would build different setups for you know to make sort of temporary walls and they had like three or four different areas it's a whole crazy deal it was very cool but it seems kind of a lost art these days and I think a lot of people are missing out on cool experiences because everybody's like afraid of you know the bad people now the the real bad people not the made-up bad people and I think because of that we're losing I don't know, kind of kind of part of our cultural identity, I guess you could say. Um, those of us who grew up with trick-or-treating and, and haunted houses, you know, we remember them quite fondly, and they were cool things. And I'm uh, very sad that uh, a lot of people growing up now don't, don't have that. And it's um, sad to me. that I've been thinking about a lot as I go to movies lately compared to when I was growing up is that when I was growing up we had a lot of really cool sort of monsters I guess you could call them there was Freddy Krueger he was my favorite and Pinhead and Jason and Michael Myers and these guys were all like pretty much the the thing for horror and, and scariness when I was growing up there wasn't really much else out there. I suppose it had a lot more to do with sort of psychological scariness. I mean, some of them were pretty pretty bloody. But now it seems like most of the movies that are out there that are scary movies are pretty much all based on shock and, and horror, you know, in, in the bloody gory sense, as opposed to, you know, horror as in the implied terror sense. Jigsaw from the Saw series is pretty much the only exception to that. I actually really like the Saw series because it is it is kind of old school psychological stuff. I mean, there is gore and it's kind of gross and some of them are, are grosser than others. But I really like the, the craftiness of the traps. But 
I think more so I like the fact that there's, you know, motivation and thought behind all of the characters. You know, why why is Jigsaw doing this to this person? Why is this person connected to this other person? And there isn't just that, you know, shock and horror and blood gore value. There's actual, you know, real story behind it. He's, you know, he's a person and he has, you know, reasons and motivation for what he's doing and reason and motivation for everybody he picks to participate in the game. If you compare it to something like the Scream movies or Final Destination, and granted I'm not too into these series, but it seems like Scream is just all about, oh, oh, I scared you, I was around the corner and you didn't expect it. And then Final Destination is, oh, this random thing totally killed you and now you're going to avoid it somehow. And it's like, I don't see how that's really very scary. I mean, I mean it's surprising, but I don't know if I would call it scary. It It's like, you know, I, I pretty much expect a lot of this stuff to happen. Every now and then, Final Destination will surprise me, but I can't remember a scream where it was like, ah, oh, that wasn't expected. You know, it was always like, oh, oh, I was totally expecting that. And it it's not like the old the old school horror. I mean, I don't mean to get all get off my lawn and stuff, but much like the trick or cheating days when I was young, compared to just going out for parties now, it just made me think about how much you know the world has changed and how, I guess in this case, media has has changed and you know what the kids are are watching in the movies today is is very different than what I grew up with. Zombies were pretty much a, a staple in uh, in both generations. And I think, too, there are some other similar aspects. Like, we had, you know, we had our cowboy movies, but our cowboy movies were regular. They weren't mixed with, you know, science fiction or steampunk like they are now. But I think now, too, um, because of the state of the nation, possibly the state of the world, we're getting a, a lot of focus on us versus them movies, kind of. It's like back in the day when, you know, a movie came out, you know, back back in the day in my day, it was pretty much human versus human. Now it's like we've got human versus alien or human versus, um, you know, whatever crazy monster. And superhero movies are also very popular. You know, it's it's sort of like the individual overcoming tremendous odds or, you know, the small group overcoming, you know, terrible disasters and, and horrible odds. And it it's really changed in focus from, you know, back in the day. I suppose it's a good thing, um, you know, the movies are cool and stuff, um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, it's just something that's different, and I think, you know, things that are different are interesting to, to consider why they're different, you know, you don't necessarily have to say one is better compared to the other, you can certainly say you like one better than another, you know, I like, you know, certain horror series, and I like some that are current and some that are old, and it's like, you know, one isn't necessarily better than the other one. I think it's just interesting to think about how things change and uh, maybe why they change. I don't know if you believe in ghosts or not, 
I'm kind of on the fence. I've had maybe a half dozen or so encounters, I guess you could say, that couldn't quite be explained. Um, you know, no, no proof that they were a ghost or not. So it's up to you if you uh, agree with me or disagree on this. Um, but it is kind of a ghost story. So we have another story. This one was when I was pretty small. I must have been maybe around 12 or 13. I was hanging out with my best friend at the time, and for those of you who are reading Epic Fail, will know him as the Grey Ghost now. We were hanging out at his house, and it was just a regular Saturday night. I, I don't think it was around Halloween or, or any any other odd times. I think it was just a regular night. His parents were divorced, and we were at his dad's place. He was adopted, and he has a sister who was also adopted. But the sister was not there. I think she was at the mom's. And the dad was going out to go on a date. So we were left alone for, I think it was about 8 o'clock until like midnight. But, you know, we were like 12 or 13 or something. So, you know, we were cool. We, we, we could, you know, cook our own dinner and take care of ourselves. I think we had actually already eaten and stuff. We were just chilling out and watching TV. He lived pretty close to me. So he was in that same kind of house that I described before, which had, you know, the atrium and then the, the front area. So we were just chilling out watching TV. Um, his dad had left, I, I, I would guess, maybe an hour or two before. And all of a sudden we hear this kablam. And it scared the poop out of us because we weren't quite sure what it was at first. And then we figured out, oh, uh, I think it was the front door. It sounded like the front door being left open and then slowly hitting the wall. So the ghost grabbed uh, a baseball bat because I, I think uh, one was nearby because he was kind of into baseball. And I, I had previously been in baseball but stopped. Um, I grabbed something. I, I don't remember what. And then we uh, we kind of ninjered our way over towards the front door area. And that was indeed what happened. So we kind of snuck around the rest of the house and we didn't we didn't find anybody around. We did find the master bedroom. Um, it had like glass doors, so you could go out to like the back, the backyard. That was left open, and it wasn't left open when his dad had left, and neither was the front door. And you know, if they did open the master bedroom um, glass door, it would have had you know the screen door closed. So that was open, and the front door was open, and yet the the atrium door it wasn't locked. But if it would have opened, we would have heard that as well. So we figured in that small space of time, something or someone must have opened the front door and then gone out the back, as it were. And um, the only noises we heard, well, the only noise, was the front door hitting the wall from slowly opening. There were no footstep sounds because we would have heard that on the ground because it was... It was not a hollow ground, but it was one where you could sort of hear people walking around. But we heard no footsteps. We heard no noise. We didn't hear the back door open. It was just the front door was open and the back door was open. And we had no explanation and no other noises. So we don't know. It it could have been a ghost. There were no other, there were no other ghost signs in the, the few times I was at the house. The gray ghost did say that he had mentioned other odd things, but um, 
you know, I didn't witness any at that house. I was only there maybe a half dozen or a dozen times from what I recall. And most of the time we just hung out in the little atrium area because it was enclosed and they had a sort of picnic table. So we used to we used to chill with friends and we would do, you know, board games and um, role playing games and stuff out there. We didn't go inside too much. So that's kind of weird. Could be a ghost story. Could be not. Um, if not, we don't know what it was because it was just the front door and the back door and not the atrium door. So a person would have uh, would have made other noise and clues, but they were not there. So odd story. Ahoy there, and welcome to the treasure chest. We gather to thank those who surrendered booty to the rabbit. I'm sure we can all agree we love a little booty now and then. <laughs> the following be all the rapscallions that donated their booty. Ah, Benji, Chris, H, donated brains. Look out for zombies. Happy Halloween, everyone. Have fun eating candies, but don't eat so much that your tummy or other parts feel sick. That's no good. That's it for Podcast 30. See everyone next time. If we survive the zombies. Okay, thanks, bye. Congratulations. You are still alive. Most people are so ungrateful to be alive. But not you. Not anymore. And that made me think to her. It seems like a lot of times this is a virtual prank. You you want people watching and keeping an eye on the kids and making sure nothing bad goes happen. Uh, what? This part will probably have less to do with gaming than it. Oh, that sounds stupid. Uh. Uh. Oh. Blah 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 blah. And he, he, you know, oh, it, it. you have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. When you type Rabbit's Ramblings, don't use a space. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. Whenever you type rabbit in any of those, be sure to, to put a one in place of I. Rabbit's Rambling is copyright 2011 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribute Sharealike license.